0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a
1: residential area.
0: Live and local from the 1037 The Game studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
2: Hey! Welcome everyone to the must listen to Saturday morning sports talk show and all of and the must listen to sports station and all of Acadiana dare I say the entire damn state one oh three seven the game one oh three seven the game.com. appreciate you listening in however you're doing so be it through you know the FM dial the tower of power too sweet to be sour. Of course, the free 1037 game mobile app for iPhone, Android. Make sure you download that bad boy. Smart speakers like Google Home, Amazon Alexa, however you're doing so to listen in. We appreciate the heck out of you. On this wonderful Saturday afternoon, it is Labor Day weekend, and more importantly, we are that much closer to having football back in our lives fully. Of course, the Twin Peaks Hotline. It is wide open, three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 three three seven seven zero six. 0 that's how you get in on that conversation about that and a whole lot more because we've got so much to get to today because let me, let me just put it this way i saw this pop up on twitter right before i got on the air not long before so today you've got the nba playoffs you got game seven in the nhl playoffs with the islanders and flyers squaring off. that's been a really fun series way better than i thought it was going to be you got baseball going on. You got college football. If you're a tennis fan, U.S. Open. If you're a big fan of the horses, you got them, uh, the Kentucky Derby going down, the second jewel, which is typically the first jewel of the Triple Crown, going down today, WNBA, if that's your thing, and the UFC. And then don't forget about All Out, AEW All Out, which gave a full preview about on the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. The latest episode came out last night after SmackDown, so make sure you check that out. Get the latest in the world of pro wrestling in your life right before All Out. But hey, just keep it locked right here if you love the world of sports. Period. But of course, like we do each and every Saturday, we are coming to you live from the beautiful palatial 103.7 the Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! And yours truly, the world famous CD, taking over for two hours. Another great sports talk. We got a lot of different angles. We're going to hit today over the next two sweet hours. But of course, we started each and every Saturday off with a little bit of a a monologue in terms of what's causing all this. And this week, you know, the last few weeks I've had more negative stuff in terms of the open. This week, it's a whole hell of a lot more positive. Let's fire it up.
0: The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. testify. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon.
2: Finally, football has come back to America. It may have started last Saturday if you want to get technical. There was only one game on the docket, and it was a nuts game central arkansas austin p that went down to the final moments had fans of college football or football in general on the edge of their seats in the final moments but you fast forward to today it feels like a whole new world has been opened up the the sun's out the sun has shined after months of darkness doom and gloom about the world of college football in the midst of covid 19 and the sport of college football the godzilla of sports if you will is starting to rise from the depths. Forty stories high, and it's awakening from that month long hibern months long, I should say, hibernation. And the teams are slowly coming back and ready to play. The main event of the day will obviously be the Arkansas State Memphis game. If we're gonna be completely realistic, there's how things go. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on the program. It's a lot like what last Saturday was supposed to be. The appetizer before the main course. Last week was gonna be week zero and we were all the way looking forward to the fact that that was going to be where you get the, the little taste of college football enough to, to satiate yourself for next week. Now, today's that appetizer before the main course because there's some more good stuff coming down the pipeline. It's not necessarily, you know, your your prime rib, your steak, if you will. But it's still some damn good stuff. It's some stuff that you can probably put down the gullet in terms of a four-course meal. Probably, would, like, next week is probably your second course meal. Next week, like, whenever it's the 26 rolls around, that's when you get your main course, and you get to just devour all the great stuff involving SEC, ACC, the Big 12 conference play. It's going to be down the road, but you have to enjoy this appetizer. truly appreciate how it came so close to not happening at all. I can say right here, right now, I I felt confident the college football was going to happen. Now, if it was going to happen in the spring or not is a real million dollar question. But I love the fact that it's coming back. Finally, football has come back to America. Today, we celebrate college football being back, along with all the other great sports we got going on today. Saturday is going to be a great one, probably one of the greatest sports Saturdays of all time. But also, finally, the NFL is coming back next Thursday. It's starting off officially. There was no doubt in my mind of all three levels of football that we care about here in the heart of Cajun country, the Acadian area, there was no doubt in my mind that the NFL was going to happen. This thing was going to go off without a hitch, because that's what the NFL does. They are full steam ahead on playing this 2020 season. So the millions... millions of the NFL fan base is able to get it in their lives. They're going to play it all the way through. They're going to be running hard. Getting this whole thing rolling, Getting this train to keep it off the... keep it from going off the rails. They're five days out now from the season beginning with a fanfare that you've come to expect. Mind you, with San's fans for the most part. And you know, it'll be a crappy game. Most will walk away from the sport of the season based off of different reasons and based off the social media response that I've seen. And maybe they'll go away forever because of several reasons. But that's fine because I'll be watching every last minute of it till I can't stand it anymore because I have been waiting for so long to have football back. It's great to have baseball. It's great to have basketball back. But at the end of the day, football is where the meat and potatoes are. That's where we've been building towards. You know, the better part of three, four months, football single-handedly saved me from basically rambling on about pro wrestling because I could have done that for this show just change the show entirely and talk about Premier League soccer which by the way will be starting next week I'm looking forward to that too but there's no doubt in my mind that the NFL is going to be finishing the season without a hitch because you know that Roger Goodell and this NFL this league cannot afford any other little BS like we've seen in the past. You've got that going on. The NFL is finally back. And finally, high school football is coming back eventually. The wheels are now in motion for high school football to start on October 8th here in the great state of Louisiana. Today would have been the start of me. You know, last night I was thinking about it. Last night I would have been up till probably 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning and then coming over here to do this show at 11 a.m. To get this show started, to be talking about, you know, what happened last night in high school football. What's happening this weekend in college football. In non-COVID times, that's how things were scheduled to be. Lo and behold, we're sitting here, fall 2020, and what happened? We're waiting to see football be back in our lives. And now we're just sitting here waiting for high school football to start. And I felt like it wasn't going to happen. This is going to be a full-blown football show, nonstop football talk for two hours. But now we just got to wait a little bit longer to get to that point. October the 8th, the high school football season kick starts off the right way, and I am sitting here with bated breath for the start of it all because I want football in my life. And I was thinking about it a little before the show because for months I felt how we thought we were next to – none of this was going to happen or at least some of it. The NFL felt like it was going to happen. College football had a little bit of confidence but man, it was tough. It was tough to see the Big 12, excuse me, the Big 10, the ACC, the Pac-12, the SEC and the ACC, Big 12 going full steam ahead. You wondered if there was going to be some interference, some divine intervention, if you will, from Mark Emmert. Lo and behold, he hasn't said a damn thing about all this, which further proves Why college football needs a czar. But for months now, I've just felt like, you know, high school football has been the one where I've just questioned whether or not it could be done. And it might not be the same as we remember it when it comes to college, high school, pro football. But damn it, it's like seeing an old friend again and you pick up right where you left off and are catching up on old times over a a pint at your local watering hole. Obviously now you we really can't do it in that sense, but obviously if you're out and about and you see somebody, you're catching up at old times, reminiscing about days gone by. It feels like that with the way football is back, and I'm all the way here for it. I'd say that a football, a fully inflated football, inside the studio. I'd be holding this thing in my arms for the entire two hours of the show. Is that's how much I care about football. That's how much I care about the fact that it is officially back tonight. We got college football. It's back. Next week, the NFL. Eventually, we'll get to the SEC and high school football at the beginning of the next month, which isn't too far away when you think about it. Today, September 5th, October the 8th, a little less than a month away from the start of high school football. Next week, Cage is going to be playing Iowa State. We got that and so much more. Still to get to, not just today, but over the next several freaking weeks. And I am all in on it, and hopefully you're ready for the ride, too. Because I think this is going to be a fun season. Yes, it might not end because of everything going on with COVID-19 and who knows what else. But at least we have it. And I'd say that's my biggest thing. I see all the people out there who are hating on it, who are not being a big fan of football because everything that was, that's going on more off the field than on the field, I'll say this. Enjoy this while you can. Because there's no guarantee that all these things reach their desired conclusion. There's no guarantee that we don't wind up seeing things go a little topsy-turvy. There's no guarantees. But we're sitting here in 2020. we got to have a little bit of faith. Like George Michael once said, we gotta have faith. And I think that's all we can have right now in the hope that college football, pro football, even high school football finishes out. If it does, then we win. Today is the first day of a new world with college football in our lives fully. And I absolutely love it. We got a great show for you coming up today. We're going to have on a little pre- early preview for the Iowa State game at 1130. Talking with Emery Songer, part of the pregame and postgame show for Iowa State at 1130. A little early preview. They're playing at 11 a.m. next Saturday, so, you know, I can't necessarily get them on to have a preview when the game's going on. But, you know, we'll definitely get a preview of that ball game today. But in the meantime and in between time, we're going to pivot over to the sport of horse racing. It was typically the first jewel. The Triple Crown is right smack dab in the middle of it all. I'll give you a look at the field, what the odds are, and who I think is going to wind up winning. Spoiler alert, it might be the favorite I'd like to win, but I wouldn't place money on them. I'll explain that next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com.
0: The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game.
2: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. 337-706-0111. But, hey, you know, obviously I don't have a producer to handle the phone lines, so but I still say call in. But if you want to get in on the Under the Dome Fantasy Football League, we got a handful of spots left, and you got a number of different ways to hit us up. If you've got the anonymous line, I'll say that much, Hell, if you got if you follow me on Twitter at Clint Doming, Domingue, C L I N T D O M I N G U E, hit me up with a DM right now. Hit me up with a DM in there. Hit us up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash 1037 the game. Hit us up with a private message to try to get into the fantasy football league. Spoilers, you wind up winning that one and winning that one handily because I am the worst fantasy football player this side of the block. You know, Lewis is a rookie. Trust me, I've been doing this ever since, I think, Ben Love joined a Sports Station. We've been doing the Fantasy Football League. So, better part of, like, five years I've done fantasy. I'm not good at it. I I keep trying, but, my God, I still screw up. Ironically, I'm good at it. The one time I played fantasy baseball, I was second in that fantasy baseball league that Ben set up as part of the station, which was a lot of fun. I was way better than that than I am at fantasy football because I bet with my heart a lot more with that than anything else. But speaking of betting, obviously this is for entertainment purposes only, we got the big horse race going on today. A lot of different horse races. In fact, last night I saw the Kentucky Oaks had a new record set, which was really cool stuff. But, you know, again, today is a big day for horse races. I like horses for courses. It is the Kentucky Derby. How can you not like the horses for courses?
1: I like horses for courses.
2: I got to say, looking forward to this one, largely because of the fact of the way the odds look. I have never, and I don't think there's ever been, an morning line favorite quite like Tiz the Law. Five to eight odds. You're making no money if you're putting that on. Now, obviously, you're trying to go for the trifecta and the exacta to make a lot of money. You're not basically just putting. It's not like whenever you see the way, like, Let's say, for instance, preseason odds for the Heisman Trophy or the NFL MVP or team winning the Super Bowl. In horse racing, it's a lot more. It's a lot different. You're thinking a lot more towards your trifecta, your exacta. Because that'll pay out a huge amount of money. For me, I I I haven't bet on a horse race ever, outside of basically just randomly throwing out a pick for the Kentucky Derby, and I usually wind up winning that one pretty decently for the most part. So I think tis the law is the right right pick to click for the win, but place and show, it's a whole different kind of question. And, hey, if you want to give your picks about the Kentucky Derby going on tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, about like 5 o'clock, the race will start. Obviously, they'll be having like hours of pregame show, but it's wild to see tis the law having an amazingly high shot. But now we go over to the Twin Peaks hotline, 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the action, let's see who's on the hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome with CD.
1: Yes, uh, good morning. What's going so, on? Real quick, you mentioned the uh, the Kentucky Oaks.
2: Yeah, the Kentucky uh, Oaks.
1: Yesterday. So I was channel surfing, and you also mentioned the, the record-setting race, and it was the one race I saw. Uh, the whole program, just channel serving. I said, Oh, let me stop watching. And it was a Philly, a Philly set the record. I forgot her name. And I then they talked about the fact that the horse she beat had beaten her previously by like seven or eight lengths, maybe even more. And the first thing I thought about was, if this were a male or female professional athlete, the first thing they would do after the race would be drug testing. <laughs> oh, you after that record setting, that record setting moment they to say, okay, time drug test <laughs> oh
2: you, well, I mean, you know whenever it comes to horse racing if horse racing was was on par, I guarantee you, you by the fact you were channel surfing you just randomly stumbled on that. Imagine if this were like let's say the nBA playoffs like you see, you hear it all the time, especially on Twitter, where immediately wow. after like let's say you know some dude who doesn't perform that well for the most part, like 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 I'm a dirt the other dirt the other day for the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Rockets, you could probably said, oh, hey, let's exactly. drug test that cat immediately. Like, it's amazing.
1: Exactly, because they talked about the fact that the horse she beat had basically skull drugged her in a previous race, and she comes back and wins the race going away. And I'm like, drug test.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she dares the devil was the winner of that one.
1: Yes, and she so was like, she set the Kentucky Oats record. I was like, okay, cool. I'm still pulling out the vial. We're doing a drug test. <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely
2: – I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, You have a pick from uh, the Kentucky Derby or – okay, well, I guess not. But, hey, trust me, we got a lot of different things going on in the world of sports. But I have to say, I was blown away. I wound up watching that like late last night, just seeing the highlight on YouTube, because I have to say, one of the really cool things is like NBC Sports, their YouTube channel, will wind up putting up like complete races and stuff like that because they have the rights to do that. So I'm able to kind of catch that afterwards, and I was able to watch the whole highlights of the Kentucky Derby, of the Kentucky Oaks race yesterday, and that was so damn good. I, a record time of a minute 48.28 at Churchill Downs as part of the Kentucky Oaks. She was destroying that field and then some. But we're all looking forward to the call to the post. Tisla, strong, strong favorite. But right behind, I mean, this is coming from William Hill Sportsbook, Santa Anita Derby winner, Honor AP, is the 5-1 to one odds. Did not run the Belmont, which was a surprise. Opted out of it. But it's going to be part of this race. So this is going to be a lot tougher of a race, for everybody's favorite horse, Tis the Law, because I think you look at what Honor AP, authentic, they're both five to one, eight to one odds. It's not gonna make you a whole lot of money, but I, I just usually would go with a safe bet here, go with Tis the Law, Honor AP. I, you know, Tis the Law, Authentic, Honor AP gonna be the trifecta for that one. Outside of that though, it's anybody's race. But I think those three are It's gonna those two horses, Honor AP and Authentic are going to make this a lot tougher of a race for Tis the Law, who was largely smoking horses left and right in more recent races. I mean, the Belmont was the big highlight that probably wound up changing the way we looked at the odds for the game, for the, for the race today. Because usually you, this is the first jewel of the triple crown. We don't know necessarily a whole lot from a, from a casual perspective. And obviously for the most part, people who are watching the Kentucky Derby. The masses are not huge on, you know, the world's like horses. And I gotta say, that's the whole thing. Like we just we don't know a whole I, I don't know a whole lot about horses and what's going on with horse racing on a regular basis. But when you look at the way the sports books align, it's usually gonna be based off of past performances and that most recent performance at the Belmont that saw a lot of the big big dogs like Honor AP and Authentic get it done. We're just wondering what's going to happen with those guys that's going to change the way we look at the Derby. And then eventually, once we get to the next race, the Preakness, I mean, you got the, you've still got the, the third leg, which is the second leg. God, my head is hurting just thinking about the fact that Triple Crown is completely all jacked up and, and spun around, turned upside down. Thanks a lot, COVID, and there's even no fans, so, you know... Everybody out there, you know, maybe you're out there grilling, chilling, however you're doing so, but if you're a big Kentucky Derby fan, get some whiskey, make yourself a mint julep, and enjoy it because it is going to be a damn fun race. The fastest two minutes in all of sports. Hopefully you enjoy yourself. Make sure you do so responsibly as well. All right, coming up next, we're going to flip it back over to college football. Well, Iowa State Talk, the Cyclones and the Cajuns, are facing off. Enough of the horse talk. We're going to go ahead and talk about those Cyclones, Iowa State, with Emery Songer next.
0: Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game.
2: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And it's time to talk about some Cyclones. And now we're going to go over to the Twin Peaks hotline, talk with the host of the pregame show for Iowa State football, Emory Songer. Emory, how's it going, man?
3: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's exciting uh, that we get a chance to talk about actual games on the field.
2: Oh, exactly. I absolutely am looking forward to what's going on with Iowa State and the Cajuns. The fact this game was put together Absolutely was a win when you think about the fact they originally scheduled to play Mizzou out of the SEC. And now you're playing in the Big 12, a team that has the potential to be ranked pretty highly. Once we see what happens with these preseason polls and whatnot, once we headed to week one, because there's a lot of teams that were in the top 25 that have since opted out. How much like are you looking forward to seeing what Iowa State is going to bring to the table?
3: Well, I mean, in terms of just the on-field product, we you're talking about 18 returning starters on both sides of the football. You're talking about a quarterback who is being touted as a potential first-round talent for the NFL draft after this season. Uh, You talk about some really high-level skill position guys, including Brees Hall, a running back, a defense that I think might have the the best chance of being a uh, top-ranked defense out of the Big 12. And without the Big 10 and Pac-12 playing, I mean, we're talking about a team right now that's ranked – 15th. It says 23 in your programs folks, but if you take out the teams that have opted out with their conferences, this is the 15th best team in the preseason rankings. Iowa State fans have a lot to be excited for, though. Uh, Oklahoma State should be much improved. We know that Texas and Oklahoma are always going to be there at the top of the Big 12, but Iowa State fans feel like this might be the best team that they have seen on the field in a very, very long time. Uh, very well could be the best Cyclone team ever in terms of talent. It's just a matter of trying to get those wins. And, uh, and, and Speaking about the, the Cajuns themselves, you know, we were trying to figure out what this non conference game would look like. Uh, Iowa State was obviously supposed to play in state rival Iowa as they always do before the Big Ten opted out. And that's when the Big 12 started looking at maybe a conference only scheduled with one additional game. They were supposed to play South Dakota. Uh, the Coyotes obviously are not going to be playing as part of uh, their FCS conference. And the, uh, the Missouri Valley decided not to play this year as well. UNLV out of the Mountain West, they were supposed to play them. That didn't happen, and then they put together a game with Ball State out of the MAC. Then Mac decided they weren't going to play, so uh, it was really nice of these two schools to get together. And how about a quality opponent for Iowa State in the non-conference right out the gate? A team that won 11 games last year, a team picked to win their conference again this year. It's going to be a really good test, and uh, we're excited to see what the, the, the Cyclones have, but Everybody in Cyclone Lane absolutely knows that this is not going to be a cakewalk against the Raging Cajuns next Saturday.
2: Oh, I think this is probably the best-case scenario for both programs. You brought the fact that, you know, the Cajuns coming off their big 11-win season, 10 in the regular season, and then that bonus one where they were able to take care of business against Miami of Ohio in the last bit of, like, college football they we've had like that was one of the last bowl games outside the national title game on a monday night and just i can say right here right now i like the way this team looks and the way you know we hear about iowa state you brought up brock purdy let's focus on him for a minute it's the fact that you only have like five other starters returning on that side of the football people are still projecting athlon sports even i was talking to my buddy steve lassen of athlon sports about Iowa was to get a little early look and basically The offense is still looking to take a step forward with Purdy. What can you say about him and how he's looked so far in camp based off of maybe what you've noticed?
3: Well, here, here's the thing. He always had the physical tools. This was a kid that was recruited by Alabama, among others, out of the state of Arizona. He was Mr. Football there. Arizona, a talented state when it comes to high school athletics. And he chose Iowa State. Him and Matt Campbell had a great relationship on the recruiting trail. He decided to commit to the Cyclones. Was able to get on the field on his true freshman year, just a few games in, which uh, we saw what was what his capabilities were a couple of years ago as a true freshman, helping Iowa State get to a bowl game uh, against. Gardner Minshew and Washington State a couple of years back. Last year, if you look at the first two years of Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy being together, a little bit of a slow start. Iowa State typically does get off to slower starts during the season. The hope is this year they don't have to worry about that. They've had a full camp, they feel healthy. Offensive line, despite having some turnovers, some youth there. Again, I think it is one of the more talented units just in general that we've seen from an Iowa State front five, and Iowa State's done a much better job of recruiting in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. We know the defensive line has been good the last few years. Um, I think the floor for this offensive line can be a little bit higher than we've seen in the last couple of years, which could very well lead to a better start. And you know, uh, CB, as much as anybody, that you've got to protect the guy that's throwing the football if you want to have success, especially in a league like the Big 12 where you're going to be – you know, throwing the ball an awful lot against defenses that are typically below average. So, uh, Purdy got a strong arm, got a good body. He could run with the football. he got great ball skills, touted as a first round talent in a lot of, uh, drafts and mock drafts here a year out. Uh, a lot has to be decided between now and then, but you-, you gotta like what you're seeing from him. He continues to make growth and his football IQ is as high as anybody that I've seen come through Iowa State. And that includes guys like Sage Rosenfels. Seneca Wallace, who have made really nice careers for themselves in the NFL. And I think Purdy's going to be the next guy for Iowa State to kind of carry that torch and go to the next level. And uh, we're seeing nothing but continued progression from him so far this camp as they head toward what will be an abbreviated season. And Iowa State fans are just really happy that they get to see him one more year because uh, all signs are kind of pointing toward him playing this year. And as he becomes eligible for the NFL draft, taking that chance, assuming that he has a good enough year to maintain that first-round draft pick stock that he seems to have right now.
2: Talk right now, with Emery Songer, part of the post game show on KXNO out in Des Moines, Iowa. But you brought up the fans are looking forward to seeing him. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Iowa State said they were going to allow fans and kind of doubled back and kind of did a take back and said no fans in the stands. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, so that's an interesting point. We're going to be, of course, having to be glued to our radios or on ESPN at 11 a.m. next Saturday to watch this guy play. On Monday, it was announced that 25,000 fans, uh, Jack Trice Stadium and Ames, seats just over 60,000. So it's a pretty nice-sized stadium, and Iowa State fans pack the place. They call it Pack the Jack. Every home game, even when they're having down years, uh, usually the place is absolutely full. They've done a great job of renovating that stadium and making it a great experience for Cyclone fans, not just to tailgate but to watch games. Obviously, there was no tailgating involved, but Iowa State has such a rabid fan base. They had no problem selling over 25,000 tickets. Uh, they, the plan was as of the beginning of this week to have 25,000 fans separated in the stands, wearing masks, having the ability to, uh, be policed. They had, they had security and the police officers that were going to be in the stands, making sure everybody had their mask and keeping six feet away from each of the other parties that, uh, you'd be coming to. Uh, it seemed like a high number at the time. I'll be honest with you. A lot of us here in the state of Iowa were kind of like, wow, that's uh, a high number. But the real determining factor was once Iowa, the University of Iowa and Iowa City, and Iowa State University in Ames opened up their doors for the college kids to come back. Both schools have well over 30,000 kids in enrollment. COVID-19 cases in both of those cities really spiked, especially with the 19 to 24-year-olds. So much so that Governor Kim Reynolds here in the state of Iowa shut down bars in the six most populous counties in the state of Iowa, which includes Johnson County, where Iowa is, including Story County, where Iowa State is. And then... We saw a national report over this past weekend that said Ames and Iowa City were two of the top five uh, per population cases of positivity rates of COVID-19 in the country. The optics of having 25,000 people pack into a stadium in the middle of a pandemic when that city happens to be one of the the hot spots in the country for COVID-19 was not good. So within 48 hours, the school decided it was probably in, in the best interest of not just the institution, but the city of Ames. Story County and the state of Iowa for them to decide at least for week one not to have fans and uh, on Wednesday we found that out.
2: So like, do you think by the end of this season you know you look at Iowa State specifically for y'all I mean here in Louisiana it's a whole different conversation we don't even heck we don't even know what the plans are for when the Cajuns for instance open up the season at home not too far down the road what's going to happen there but what do you think is going to it's going to wind up looking like do we see fans of the stands at Iowa State or a lot of different other big college football stops by the end of the year?
3: I think certainly, I mean, and this is the one thing that, you know, I think we've made a mistake as a society just generally. One size does not fit all. I think it does make sense for the local governments to make, make their decisions and the determination on what's best for them. Uh, on up to the states, to the federal level, you you would hope that a lot of decisions aren't being made in in the federal government on this. So I think in certain parts of the country, you absolutely are going to be seeing some level of fans. I think we've already seen some fans this first week of the season with some of the smaller schools that are getting started and some of the group of five conferences that are playing. So, I think yeah I mean you're going to see fans, I think Iowa State really would love to have some fans show up. Uh, there was a report that came out to cyclone fans uh i think I believe it was Thursday about potential cuts of programs uh, coming, and we know that's going to happen uh, It's already happened in a lot of schools around the country when football cannot be as profitable as it usually is, it really cannot help support that athletic department and all the other uh, sports that occur in the middle of uh, the winter and the spring specifically, so it'll be interesting to see. Can't imagine that uh, Iowa State is going to do it any time in the next month or so. The bars don't open up back here in, in the populous counties, including Story County, where Iowa State is located until the end of September. So I would say you're hoping that by October's dates at home, you're you're going to see some fans in Ames. Uh, but I, I think we're going to, as, as a state, I think we're going to take it a little bit slower than we wanted to based on the fact that Ames and Iowa City were so highly publicized within the state as being one of the hot spots in the entire country. and uh, But I, I definitely think that even this weekend, next weekend, you're going to see some stadiums that have, uh, you know, five, ten thousand 10,000 fans there to enjoy a college football game.
2: So, great. a couple more questions here with Emory Songer, part of the pregame show on 1460 KXNO out in Des Moines, Iowa. But let, let's look over the defense for a minute. They kind of step away from some of the other things going on. they got nine starters returning for a defensive unit. Took a small step back last year. You look at, especially early on in the year, with a close one against Northern Iowa. Then the next week, the Iowa-Iowa State game, as you mentioned, that was a very, like, hotly contested one, low scoring. What do you say about the Iowa State defense heading into the season?
3: Uh, they certainly got playmakers up front and in the back end. Uh, a guy like Greg Eisworth, I think, is one of the top. Like, I, I, I would imagine that if you're talking about uh, secondary players in the country, I'm not sure I want to build a secondary of college football players right now without Greg Isworth in the back end somewhere. Mike Rose, uh, a linebacker, didn't get all-conference nomination here early in the season, but certainly has the capabilities to do that, considering uh, the talent that we've seen the first couple of years that he's been in AIM. And the defensive line has been honestly as rock-solid as any part of Iowa State's football team since Matt Campbell came to Ames a handful of years ago. Uh, There has always been a little bit of excitement in what the offense can do because Matt Campbell has found ways to to generate some good offense. A guy like Kyle camp a few years back had a great year as an unheralded third stringer. He actually led Iowa state to a victory down in Norman, Oklahoma against Baker Mayfield and the Oklahoma Sooners for their only loss of the regular season. Um, So, like, he's kind of an offensive guru. But I really think that the defense is always something you can kind of hang your hat on. Iowa State has had one of the top-ranked defenses in the Big 12 each of the last three years under Matt Campbell as the team's kind of turned the corner and been more competitive and made it to bowl games. And I think this year's going to be no different. Now, they're going to definitely be tested week one here against the raging Cajuns because you got a dual-threat quarterback. you you got a team that has the ability to score a lot of points. But you talk about it in basketball, the one thing that you can always bring on the court is your defense, even if you're not shooting the ball very well. I would suspect that Iowa State's offense will struggle just a little bit, especially out of the gate. That's something we have seen over the last few years uh, in the early weeks. But uh, if I can expect anything, I think there will be some pressure on the quarterback. I expect there to be good tackling, especially out of the secondary with guys like Eisworth back there, and a rock-solid defensive game plan uh, giving – Louisiana, all sorts of different looks up front. That, that's something that Iowa State has done a really good job of, and that's I, I would expect them to be one of the top defenses again in the Big 12, and maybe even the country considering uh, how few teams are playing this year.
2: Exactly. And, you know, looking at – I was pulling up the spread just now. I didn't realize what it would look like, but the consensus is usually is leaning like about 11, points in favor mm-hmm. of the Cyclones. Are you surprised seeing the Clones double-digit favorites? Like we've said, this is going to be a, like a hotly contested matchup Are you surprised seeing 11-point favorites?
3: You know, I'm not going to lie to you. When when the line came out, I was surprised Iowa State wasn't uh, giving more points. Uh, You know, like you, you think in your head, oh, it's Louisiana. Iowa State has been really good the last few years. This is probably the most talented roster Iowa State's ever put together, honestly, not just with Matt Campbell, but maybe ever. Uh, as a program you know Louisiana's not sticking within 11 points of Iowa State but the more I've done the research the more I've, I've looked at what Louisiana did last year watched some of the film that they had last year you're, you're talking about a team that is definitely going to challenge you you make that Northern Iowa game I was going to go to overtime to beat Northern Iowa with fans in the stands in Ames last year and that's no you know Northern Iowa they're a great FCS program but if Northern Iowa can do that in Ames I certainly expect Louisiana to do that now I look back to the Louisiana-Monroe game last year, and obviously Louisiana-Monroe and the Raging Cajuns are not the same program, but
1: uh,
3: Iowa State really put a whooping on them, and that's something that I think is within the realm of possibility. If it was up to me, though, and I was a betting man and I didn't have a lot of emotional stake already into this game, 11 is quite a bit for me in a week one matchup with uh, an opponent who can score points, has shown the ability to score points, we know that the Iowa State offense has shown the last few years, the first, especially the first game of the season, really slow out of the gates each of the last two years. Um, and that's with Kyle Kemp and Brock Purdy starting in each of those week ones, really struggling to score the ball. I would imagine 11 points is a little bit thick for me. I, if I was a betting man and, and you told me I needed the Cajuns to cover 11 points, but I think Iowa State, uh there is some potential that Iowa State, if the offense is clicking right away in week one, the Cajun defense – uh doesn't make some tackles on the skill position guys on the outside for Iowa State, and the offensive line does their job protecting Brock Purdy, it certainly can be bigger than a two-score game. But my, my gut at least a week out is telling me that this game is going to be close, especially all the way until the fourth quarter.
2: Emory, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the game next Saturday. because I, I mean, obviously, I've got a show going on from 11 to 1, so it's kind of difficult to kind of mm-hmm. get you on for a preview of a game that's already happening. Appreciate the early preview. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend, man.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Uh, just let me know. Good luck to the Cajuns this season, and uh, you guys continue to try to stay healthy and be well down there.
2: Uh, you stay safe as well, my man. Emory Songer, everyone, you can follow him on Twitter at emory songer e m e r y s o n g e r all one word. Appreciate him coming on the program, and this is like how the world is weird, and it's a sm- it's a small world. So, I posted up the preview of the show last night. The Photo image I put out each and every night, each and every Friday night before the game, before the show. And I post it with photos and everything. All of a sudden, I get a hit on a comment on Facebook from our good buddy, Chet Yoder. Any tweet, any comment, basically saying, I know him. Like, I worked with him briefly in Iowa. Great guy. I was like, it's a small world. Like, literally. Did not know those two degrees of separation. I absolutely love that. That was some awesome stuff and a big surprise. And just a great interview overall with Emory Songer. We'll put that up before too long. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. We're getting ready to wrap up hour number one. Let's get to some frustrations I have over the last week in just a little bit right here on 103.7 The Game on 103.7thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD.
0: CeeDee may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station.
2: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And it's time for my favorite segment. Maybe it's yours as well. I don't know. What I don't know what kind of feedback I've gotten on this segment over the last few weeks, but I think this is one of my favorites to end off hour number one. That's to talk about stuff that's been frustrating me over the last week, and we call it Hit the Bricks.
0: There's a lot of things that frustrates the famous CD on a daily basis. I got a lot of problems with you people. Let's let the man breathe and tell you what needs to hit the
2: bricks. The biggest thing I think that needs to hit the bricks this week is VC Sunday night football. Hit the bricks, pal. Largely because of the fact they made the decision that the Collinsworth slide is not appropriate in these weird times that we're in. We need this in our lives. Why are you going to go ahead and take this away from us? One of the greatest things in the world is to see your boy slide in. But now there's going to be a divider, so the slide won't happen in 2020 so for that alone time for nbc sunday Night football hit the bricks
0: hit the bricks pal
2: and let's get to another thing that needs to absolutely hit the bricks and that is ea sports hit the bricks pal ea sports you say it's in the game you need to go back to the drawing board because your game absolutely sucks how can every single year you come out with another one where it's $60 at launch if you just get the basic edition, and it just turns out to be the SOS. You can kind of figure out what that second S means. Just take a second to figure out what I mean, if you will. But also, how can we say right here, right now, that people are going to want to pay $6 for a game that very much is half hearted? Hit the bricks, EA Sports. You are in the lame.
0: Hit the bricks, pal.
2: And the final thing I'm going to hit the bricks on real quickly is Vince McMahon. Hit the bricks, pal. Because he wants to do something, and I've mentioned this a lot in the Cajun Strong Style podcast, hitting the bricks. Vince McMahon wants to basically say, uh, reportedly, obviously, some things have changed in terms of the context, but apparently Vince McMahon is banning WWE superstars from third-party platforms like Twitch or even Cameo, where you're able to kind of get people to do little things for you. And it's really cool. But also the fact that this is their side hustle and banning them from using third party platforms like Twitch. Obviously there's some other stories that are kind of coming out, but I think right here, right now doing that is a huge mistake in terms of basically the whole statement of what what we always hear the phrase independent contractor. How can you be independent contractor? If you're not allowed to do other things, it's the million dollar question. And for that alone, and many other things, Vince McMahon can hit the bricks.
0: Hit the bricks, pal. All
2: right, we're going to end hour one now. Hour two coming up in just a few. We'll be back after this on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com.
0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look Under the Dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037,
2: The Game. Hey. good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD. Right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The game 1037 the gamecom Happy Saturday, happy Labor Day, weekend. Hopefully, you're enjoying yourself. However, you're doing so, we appreciate you listening in any different way you're doing so. We got a lot of different ways. Of course, we got the old school FM dial, 103.7 The game on the FM dial. Appreciate you listening in that way through the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour funky like a monkey sky's the limit space is the place oh yeah and we got you over there Uh uh-huh and then we got the mobile app Uh uh-huh for iphone and android Uh uh-huh just download that bad boy it is absolutely free and is well worth your time daddy and then we got the smart speakers amazon alexa google home use those bad boys to listen in to acadianas numero uno Sports Station, little, little Espanol there, if you will. But of course, we're coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful and palatial 103.7 The Game Studios. Baby,
0: we're looking good!
2: Woo! Oh, we certainly are on this Louisiana Saturday morning, Labor Day weekend, the Kentucky Derby. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself with a mid-julep in your hand. Maybe maybe just a good old, good old soft drinker. Maybe you're, you're out there getting ready to have some good old-fashioned lunch while you're Having lunch. Why not hit us up on the Twin Peaks hotline, 337 Talk about anything involving the world of sports. The next half hour, going to be giving my thoughts on the world of the NFL. But speaking of the NFL, real quick, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1037 game or on Twitter. Hit me up personally in the DMs, at Clint Domingue. Get in on that conversation. Just joining our fantasy football league. Got a few more spots left. So make sure you hit me up. I'll get you in that league in a heartbeat. Got a few more spots to fill up. And the deadline to register, by the way, is September 8th at midnight. That's going to be this coming Tuesday. So make sure you hurry up. Only a few spots remaining. So get it in today. Seriously, sign up today. Got all Labor Day weekend to sign up. But I'd recommend you, you hurry up and get it in while we can fit you in on this that's a fantastic Saturday morning afternoon, and we got some great stuff coming up over the next half hour. We're going to preview Arkansas State and Memphis with Kara Ritchie. She'll be joining the program once again from 95.3. to ticket. We'll preview that with her because I have to say the fact we have a really great main event of high school fo- of high school to me, college football is absolutely huge when it comes right down to a college game days back. And we're all the way up looking forward to Arkansas State Memphis. Not necessarily what we expect to be all the way into, but you know, we'll take it any way we can. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up is there gonna have a handful of games. I mean SMU Texas State looks to be at least somewhat intriguing. It's gonna be a blowout in my mind, but that's gonna be like a twenty half point favorite SMU is right now. That's wild. Meanwhile, Arkansas State is a fifteen and a half point dog. I think it's gonna be a lot closer of a ball game. I'd probably put money on Arkansas State to at least cover that contest, according to the majority of sports books, to be about 15.5 point favored. But, of course, that's a different conversation for a different day and probably a whole different show because, well, you know, Louisiana doesn't allow us to do sports betting, at least on the legal tip. But let's look over at the NFL because I feel like it's time to do that once again. Because, I like, last week, if everything wound up going right, I would have done college football predictions, just a deep dive into it and look at every matchup and give you my prediction for the 2020 season, just how I saw it, how things were going to shape out conference by conference, who was going to be the champions, who was going to make the playoff, and a whole lot more. With COVID-19 kind of throwing a wrench into everything, I decided to put that to the side. The NFL, on the other hand, they're going full steam ahead, and I think they're going to get to that point and get it done. So I'm going to go ahead and spend the next two segments looking over at each side of the divide and give you my pick for champions out of the, each conference, and then who's going to be facing off of the Super Bowl, who I think is going to win, and a whole lot more. Let's start with the NFC South, where we are right now. The Tampa Bay Bucks. we're just going to go in, a, in alphabetical order in terms of the team mascot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how can you not like that team? I mentioned it during, I'm a David Grubb filling in for Ben yesterday, that I think the Bucks are a team that's going to fall pretty short of the hype. But you won't see him look like maybe a Broadway Joe type, where we see him absolutely c wrap the bed with the second team that he's a part of after years of success with Tom Brady, excuse me, Bill Belichick. Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, the recent addition of Leonard Fournette doesn't change much for me. The fact he's not going to be playing as a starter week one, Ronald Jones is still going to be that starter. That's not counting all the other guys. I'm so disappointed that. Ray McCallie did not get a fair shake over there, thinking he was the seventh-round pick. Kind of hashtag as expected. But the NFC South, the smart pick, the, the pick that everybody's going towards is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not so fast, my friend. I think they'll struggle a lot in the first half of the season. I'd say at the absolute best, they're 4-4 four and four to start the season. The second half of the season is where I think the Bucs get a lot better. And they could probably wind up going, I'll go 7-9, and nine, 10 and 6. Type that's kind of the range I have. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7. And people wonder what happened. I think it's largely the fact that they struggle in the first part of that season and it's going to be too hard of a hill to climb. There's no way you're winning 8 straight in the year to be 12 and 4 and why to making the postseason. They're going to be just on the outside looking in. Then you got the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are going to be dead last in this division, in my mind. Because they just have not shown me anything in terms of what they did in the offseason to help me believe otherwise that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be dead last in the NFC South. The Panthers, on the other hand, are my dark horse wildcard team. I think with Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady, Matt Rule, you got a whole new era of Panthers football. And I, I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I would have loved to see him stick around with the New Orleans Saints. But I think having him, and they did a great job throughout the NFL draft. They, they've rebuilt. They've worked well in the free agency. You have a whole new team. You have Joe Brady there. We saw what he did with Joe Burrow. Imagine what we could do with a semi-average quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who got the Saints still in contention after... The whole thing with Drew Brees, injuring his thumb. If that didn't happen, I guarantee you, that would have been a train wreck and a half, my friend. So for me, I think the Panthers are going to finish second in the NFC South. And then the Saints still are your reigning, defending, undisputed NFC South champions. And I think it's going to be relatively close. I think the Panthers are going to be an 11-5 and team this year. I think they're going to be 11-5, 10-6. That's kind of where I have them at because they've always been a bugaboo for the Saints. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they split a game, if they split the series. But the Saints will have the edge because of the fact they were able to control their own destiny. And I wouldn't be surprised Panthers late in the year they could drop a game to the Bucks and maybe the Falcons as well because we know the Falcons have been a second half team for a while. Last year is a prime example of that. So for me, it's Saints Panthers. Bucks and Falcons in that order. That's how my top that's how the standings are gonna go for me. And the Saints will be the champs, and the Panthers will make one of those two wild card spots probably one of the higher seats. Then you look at the NFC West. The San Francisco 49ers, it's a Super Bowl hangover year. I feel like it's gonna be a lot like what happened with the Atlanta Falcons, but not as steep of a drop off. It won't be like the Jim Harbaugh after winning after losing the Super Bowl the way they did to the Baltimore Ravens. I still think they have a chance to win it, but it's going to be a grind because you've got the Arizona Cardinals. you got Kyler Murray in year two. He's going to get better. Arizona Cardinals are going to be getting better. They've started to build a franchise around Kyler Murray. They're starting to build towards the future instead of going ahead and treating Arizona like the state of Arizona is, where you got a bunch of old retired people over there. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be a lot better team in 2020, and I think they'll make this division probably one of the most competitive in the entire league. The Rams, I'm not sure how they're going to turn out. I think they might be dead last in the division, because of the fact they're an unstable team. You have Jared Goff, who had one really good year and parlayed that into Super Bowl appearance, and then he's fallen off the face of the earth. That Super Bowl hangover I was talking about with the 49ers, that was all too real with the with the LA Rams last year. And I'm sure it's more of the same now that you don't have Todd Gurley in the mix. What is going to happen with the rest of that offense? And how is it going to look with those subtractions? It's not addition by subtraction, just subtraction when it comes right down to it. Then the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are my dark horse to be the winner for the NFC West. I think the 49ers could wind up getting in a wild card spot because again, this is going to be a highly volatile division. And I'd give the edge to the Seattle Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson is getting a lot better as he's gotten older and really started to let the game slow down for him a lot more versus what we saw post the Super Bowl. Because look at this. like You have three of your four teams in the league that have made it to the Super Bowl, and once they lost, they wound up losing a lot of their mojo. Now, mind you, I think the Seahawks lost a lot of their mojo going ahead and going with the trade. Jimmy Graham for Max Unger, who wound up being a godsend for the Saints offensive line, which really needed it a few years ago. So for me, it's the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the 49ers are in third place, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're second. They could be like a wild, low key like wild card team in my book, but I still think the Seahawks win it and the Rams are going to be dead last in the NFC West. If you want to comment on that or anything else, 337 0111. 337 706 0111. At the NFC North, it's so tough to pick a team that's going to be dead last year because it's a coin flip. It's either the Bears or the Lions. In my mind, I think the Bears are going to be one of the worst teams out there because of the fact that you still have Mitchell Trubisky still a quarterback, and you're going to start him a quarterback. What are you doing? The Chicago Bears are going to be dead last in that division again. After you know what they what Trubisky looks like to start, he's starting to look like the Trubisky we all expected him to look I think they're going to be dead last in the division. They'll be tanking for a really good quarterback in the not-too-distant future because it's time for the Trubisky experiment to end. Meanwhile, the Lions, Packers, and Vikings, I think it goes in order. Lions are going to be third place in that division, and I think that it's not going to be close when you look at the top two. I think the Packers will be second place by a pretty decent margin, and the Vikings will look a lot better. And I think they could wind up winning the NFC North division some because of the fact that they have... I'll kick the coverage, and you also have probably some of the best, I mean the best, like wide receivers in the game right now. Justin Jefferson is going to be an absolute stud year one. He's Out of all the L.C. rookies, he's the one I have the most confidence in to perform at a high level. If I were somebody who voted on those things, I'd put him high on the odds for being NF- NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's my bold prediction right there because he is going to wind up putting up some godlike numbers for those Minnesota Vikings. He's going to be the security blanket like Michael Thomas is for Drew Brees. He's going to be that for Kirk Cousins. I want to see what's going to happen there. But again, Vikings are going to be first. Packers are going to be second. There's going to be a lot of like tensions throughout the season with the Packers because of what they did drafting a quarterback. It's still weird to this day that they wind up going ahead and doing that. But more power to them. The NFC East, on the other hand, is going to be largely just crappy as usual. So for me, the winner is going to be the Dallas Cowboys, and it pains me to say it. And it's hard because of the fact I just don't know what the Eagles bring to the table. The Giants have Daniel Jones, who I don't think is going to wind up getting things done, and you've got a rebuilding like. Basically, you're having to rebuild your entire team when you look at the Washington football team. I wrote them down as the Redskins, completely not thinking that they are the Washington football team. You got Ron Rivera running things. It's his first year. You got Dwayne Haskins, the guy who hasn't necessarily proven a whole lot. I think that the Giants will be last, the Redskins will be third, and the Eagles will be second, and maybe they make a wild card spot. They are going to be struggling in the NFC East. I think the Cowboys have just a slight edge because I think Dak Prescott's playing for a contract. He had Ezekiel Elliott. He got paid. I would be surprised if he steps his game up a lot. And Dak's got to be playing for contract. He's playing for his future right now. Because if he doesn't play well, he is going to be out of there. He knows what's on the line. So I think he gets his team to the playoffs. Now they make a run is a real million-dollar question. For me, the NFC title game, and you can... Call me up, 337-706-0111, and call me biased. But I think the Saints are going to be in it. They're going to be the representative out of the NFC South. And then in the finals, it's so tough to say it. I think it's going to be the NFC South representative of the Saints taking on the NFC West Seattle Seahawks in the NFC title game. And I just feel like that's where we're at right now. And I'll give you my thoughts on, who winds up coming out of the NFC title game in a little bit. But that's my NFC title game, the Seahawks and the Saints. It's a bold prediction. I know I'm probably going to jinx them all to death, but that's the way I feel. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk about the AFC, and then I'll give you my Super Bowl prediction next, right here on 103.7 The Game. On 103.7thegame.com, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD.
0: Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did
2: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Now let's get to the AFC and talk about what's going on with the American Football Conference. Started with the AFC North. I think, obviously, because of the fact that it's the one team that everybody's looking forward to seeing, at least in this neck of the woods from the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals we start off with. And obviously, with Joe Burrow there in his rookie year, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. I'll probably break them down a lot more next week. But I think in my mind, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be a team that struggles throughout the year. They'll probably be the last place team in the North, largely because of the fact that I think Joe Burrow needs the game to slow down for him. Yes, he's been able to absorb things like a sponge. He's been great all off season. But now he hasn't had nearly enough time to prepare to play real football when real live bullets are flying. Practice and actual game is a whole different thing. For me, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be last in that division, but they look a lot better in their final four or five games of the year to where you start building a little more confidence in Joe Burrow's ability and the fact that I think in year two, the game will start to slow down for him. Look at what Joe Burrow did at LSU the first year. He struggled a little bit. He was still good, but he wasn't great. Year two, watch out. My, I'll say it right now. 2021, this team goes from worst of first in the AFC North, calling it now. Then you have the Cleveland Browns. Year three with Baker Mayfield. you got OBJ still there, Jarvis Landry. They're all still there. Year two, having this great offense. I still think they're third in the AFC North, and that's because of the fact that you got a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. If Ben Roethlisberger could stay healthy, I think the Steelers are second in the AFC North. I love the Browns. I want to see them succeed. But, man, they cannot get out of their own head. If, if Odell Beckham Jr. could have like his brain back to where he used to be, not being in his head all the time, I think they could be First, maybe second place or first place. It could be a very close wild card team, a fringe wild card team, especially in the North, where you've got Ben Roethlisberger, the gunslinger, looks to be back from the brink and he looks to be good. The Ravens have a star quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and they can't get out the first round. I still think the Ravens are going to win the North, but it's all about what they do in the postseason. Because that's the billion dollar question. So for me, the Ravens are going to win the AFC South. Second-place team is going to be the Steelers, then it's the Browns, and then it's the Bengals. But the Bengals are a team to look out for in 2021. AFC South is going to be interesting because you have the Texans, who pretty much gave up everything in the offseason. Now they got Deshaun Watson. They signed him to a big-time deal. But what's the point? He doesn't have a whole lot of weapons to choose from. But we'll get to them in a minute. The Colts, the Jaguars, and the Texans, they're all going to be playing catch-up ball to the Titans because the Titans continue to build the Colts they have the aging Philip Rivers who I've got some thoughts about I think he'll give this team to second place in that division so because the fact that he is like one of the better quarterbacks he's able to put up numbers like at will he was able to do that with guys like Antonio Gates who was like 40 years old when he was retiring from the league how can you get that done with a, how can you not get that done with a Colts team that seems relatively young the, in the post-Andrew Luck era? I think this is an opportunity for Philip Rivers to go out on good terms as opposed to what he was with the Chargers. I think this is a great opportunity for him to have his final year in the league, look good, and then go on to coach high school football in Alabama. The Jaguars, I'm sorry to uh, Shad Khan and Tony Khan. Enjoy AEW because I think they would be the only positive you have in 2020. Maybe not positive in terms of making money. But you'll definitely have a positive. Because hey. You'll, you're doing pretty well right now. But the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Duval. Are going to be. Absolutely awful. They're tanking for Trevor. Bottom line. Tanking for Trevor. Bottom line. They're going to be. Dead last in the division. And it's not even going to be close. The Houston Texans are going to be. Just above them. But I still think there's going to be. A lot of things going on. During that offseason with the Texans. Because it's time. It's time to realize you can't have somebody have that much power and be drunk off of it, hypothetically speaking. I think the Texans are going to struggle, and we're going to start realizing, like, you know, Deshaun Watson can't do this all on his own. You've got to build a team around him. And you gave away a lot of those key pieces. DeAndre Hopkins, are you kidding me? How can you get rid of DeAndre freaking Hopkins? So for me, it's the Titans winning the AFC South. Colts, probably going to be a wild card team. Then the AFC West, the Broncos are a team that seemingly looks to be better. You got Drew Locke, former Mizzou quarterback. He's looked good, but I still think they're going to be dead last in that division, if not for the LA Chargers, who I think are dead freaking last, because of the fact you got Justin Herbert. That's the guy that you're going to put, give the keys to the Porsche, or better yet, probably the Camaro, because you just look at what the Chargers are and the way they've bungle this whole situation, living, moving from San Diego to Los Angeles. It's been a cluster you-know-what. So the Chargers are going to be dead last. The Broncos are going to be third. The, the Raiders are going to be second, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just miss out on the postseason this year, in their first year in Vegas. They don't have fans in the stands in that weird, like, really cool-looking stadium. But the Chiefs wind up winning the AFC West and win it handily. I don't think they wind up putting up the numbers they have over the last couple of years. But they still get it done. and finally the AFC East, the bills, I think I have every chance to do something they haven't done in a long time, and that's win the AFC East because I think the Patriots are going to be a team that you just don't know about yet. We'll get to them in a little bit. Sorry Lewis, but your jets are dead last in my book. The Dolphins are third, some because of the fact I think TuA is going to have time to really develop. And I think towards the end of the year, I'd say the last like four or five games, a lot like Burrow, we see him improve, step his game up, and moves the Jets down to dead last in that division. But it's going to be a really close race for the bottom. I know that's weird to say, but that's how it's going to go. The Patriots are going to be, I think, second place in my mind. Because I think having Cam Newton is huge. It's way better than getting, you know, your boy, Jared Stidham. Because that would have been an absolute mistake. So for me, It's the Bills winning the AFC East. The Patriots getting a wild card spot. And for me, I think whenever we look at the AFC, the way it's all broken down, give me the Ravens and the Chiefs for your AFC title game. I think the Chiefs win that one. It's going to be a very high-scoring contest. I'd say the game goes into the 40s and 50s, and everybody's going to love it. Possibly an overtime contest. I think that'd be cool. But also, think about this. I would love to see this matchup happen. Saints-Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I think that's where it's going to go. I want to be completely like non-biased, but the way the Saints look, they have so many weapons to choose from. The Chiefs have so many weapons to choose from now. With Clyde Edwards-Alaire, probably going to be your AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm putting that on the table now. I think he, he and Justin Jefferson, two former L.C. Tigers, are going to win the AFC and NFC Rookie of the Year. I'm saving that tape right now. Today, we're going to have that discussion once we get into the month of January, and then i just can look back at this and be like, I am an idiot. But I think Saints-Chiefs is going to be your Super Bowl. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing it. But you know what I'm not jinxing? I'm getting our next guest on the show, and that is Kara Ritchie, 95.3, the ticket host of the Workday Red Zone. Talk to her about the big game, Arkansas State-Memphis next week.
0: under the dome with cd is far from your ordinary sports talk show i am the voice of
3: the voiceless
0: what other show has more pop culture references than an episode of
3: family guy i just don't want to be involved in any of that
0: mess now back to the famous cd on 1037 the game acadiana's sports station
2: College football is back. Well, kind of. You got a handful of games going on today. In fact, some games are about to kind of get jump-started a little bit later on. They got SMU going to be getting started up before too long, Texas State. But I think the one everybody's looking forward to, the absolute appetizer, the delight everybody's looking forward to, is what's going on with Arkansas State taking on Memphis. And to talk about that and a whole lot more, we go to the Twin Peaks Hotline, talk to our good friend Kara Ritchie, host of the Workday Red Zone of 95.3 The Ticket, Kara. How's it going?
4: Hey, it's going great. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. You know, obviously, we're waiting another, like, seven days before the Cajuns kick off the season. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for college football to officially be back today?
4: Oh, I cannot. I, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit today. Like, I have way too much nervous energy. Um, I've already cleaned my whole house, uh, installed a new motion light, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself until kickoff. It's uh, the, the waiting is – I'm not a patient person. I'm not good at waiting, and 7 o'clock can't get here soon enough.
2: I mean, it's like Tom Petty once said, the waiting is always the hardest part. We're just sitting here wondering what is going to be going down tonight, kicking off the season under the bright lights in the Liberty Bowl, Memphis, Arkansas State. How do you see this ballgame going?
4: Uh, a shootout. Uh, I think the over – last time I checked, which was yesterday, he said at 74, and there was a reason for that. Uh, both teams are – just really have a lot of firepower offensively. Even Memphis, without T. Gainwell, who opted out last Sunday, who is their primarily running back but did a little bit of everything with that offense. Even without him, they still have a ton of weapons. They've got a really great quarterback, a guy who's been in college so long that he's working on his doctorate. So he's really experienced there uh, leading the Memphis offense. You know, A-State has a ton of playmakers on that side of the ball as well. Logan Bonner is coming back after only playing in the first four games of last season and then being sidelined uh, after he tore his thumb ligament. So, A-State with a great signal caller as well. Several playmakers on uh, offense and wide receiver. So, uh, the defense is going to be there, too. For
2: what it's worth, I was just looking at the over-under. The consensus, according to oddshark.com, is 73.5 points, the over-under. Okay. I would I would probably take the over on it, but then again, it's like, for most of the games, the first few weeks of the season, I'd probably take the over in a lot of those ball games. In my because in my mind, I think we'll see the defense. The defenses will be a little bit behind the offense for most of these games.
4: You would. I, I really just don't know how to wrap my head around that. You know, in general, to be honest with you, um, A state's offense is ahead of its defense. You know, coming into this game, but that's because the offense returns a ton of starters, and you've got some incredible youth. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's the same for Memphis as well because the offense there—it's a lot of experience on the defense for Memphis. They replaced their entire defensive staff and installed a new scheme. Uh, also, they did not have a spring, so the, the offense is is good there. But you know, there's some other teams where maybe those changes came on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe they're installing something new there, or they have a new offensive coordinator. So it's just kind of a different, uh, a team by team situation. But yeah, seventy-three and a half sounds about right.
2: And looking at Memphis in, in particular, you look at what happened. One of the big opt-outs came out about five days ago with Kenneth Gainwell deciding to forego a season to prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft, one of the biggest opt-outs for this matchup. How much does that affect the way the Memphis offense kind of does things from what you've been able to kind of surmise?
4: You know, maybe not maybe not a ton. Obviously, he's incredible, an incredibly impactful player because he was a guy – uh, that not only got it done on the ground, but I think he had, in addition to that, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 receiving yards last year, which is a lot for a running back. And I, I might be off there, and I apologize if I am, but I, again, it was a, a really large number for a, a guy that typically carries the ball. So he was just a very impactful player all around. But one of the things with Memphis's offense that I'll be honest, I didn't realize until I was going back and looking through the numbers. But it was very, very balanced last season. So even though when I watched the Tigers play, my eyes were instantly drawn to Kenny Gainwell and what he was doing on the ground, uh, they also have a quarterback who threw for over 4,000 yards. They have a very dynamic wide receiver in DeMonte Coxie. Uh, they've got some experience returning at offensive line and Memphis, for years and years and years and years has been excellent at cranking out a really good running back. So even though Gainwell is gone, I think they see this all as like a next man up opportunity. And there's still going to be some really powerful weapons there on the ground, starting with Drake Clark, who's going to uh, start in his place.
2: And I, I can't wait. I think this is one of those games that, you know, it's that perfect appetizer for what's to come because these two teams, you look at Memphis over the last couple of years, they've kind of continued to jump up and up and up in people's eyes. Arkansas State has, still continue to be in that conversation of winning the Sun Belt West division since we've gone to these divisions in recent years. How do you see this whole thing looking in terms of an overall ball game for Arkansas State? How big would it be to come away with a win in the paint bucket bowl? Well, here's the
4: thing. This is the most played series in Arkansas State history. So you have the rivalry aspect of it. And these teams are going to see each other a lot. In fact, eight times over the next decade, there's two different four-game home-and-homes that are going to be played in the 2020s. So um, we've seen you know, Memphis continue to get better from across the bridge. These teams haven't played since 2013. And I believe that was the very first year of Justin Fuente being the head coach at Memphis. He went on to Virginia Tech. And then, of course, they also had a ton of success under Mike Norvell. Now it's the Ryan Silverfield era. And to be honest with you, nobody knows what's in store. He has been on that staff for a while, so it's not like they're reinventing the wheel over there. But it's difficult to make three good hires in a row, and that's what Memphis' tasked with doing now with him coming in. But back to the series here for a quick second. The last time these two teams played was in 2013, and it was not pretty for Arkansas State. It was a 31-7 Tigers win. And early on in that game, J.D. McKissick, who's now a wide receiver with the Washington Redskins, or excuse me, running back, he had this phenomenal play where he dove into the end zone from like eight eight yards out, and it was all over everywhere. And everything after that sucked. And I know that nobody on the A State side of things wants to have a repeat of what we saw in 2013.
2: And you brought up what's going on with Memphis. You know, Arkansas State has a lot of experience in that with what's happened within recent years. Be able to have. Coaches just, it's almost like a carousel seeing players, coaches come in and out, and now Blake Anderson's been able to take over. What can you notice from what Arkansas State's done in terms of getting consistently good coaching from a lot of different guys and eventually landing on a guy, Blake Anderson, who's stuck around the program for a good while, and he's definitely made that his mission statement? What do you say about that and what you're seeing over over in Memphis where you mentioned they're kind of going through the same thing?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I I, I don't know because there's so much of Coaching transition that's just flat out luck. Uh, there are guys that get hired all the time and they have incredible resumes as assistants, or maybe they had a a really good record at a group of five before getting hired, hired, excuse me, at a power five. And they, it it just doesn't work. Uh, We've even seen power five coaches move to other power five jobs, for example, across the state in Arkansas. Brett Bielema moving from Wisconsin to Arkansas. That didn't work out at all. And that was considered to be an incredible hire at the time. There's so much about it that, that is a crapshoot. Uh, that it's impossible to say whether they're going to be able to continue this success or not. It's mind-boggling that Arkansas State was able to make four consecutive good good hires, and they did so under two different athletic directors as well. It wasn't the same guy uh, making the decisions the whole time. So as far as another program being able to do that, uh, hey, we'll see. We'll start figuring that out tonight.
2: Talk right now with Kara Richie, host of the Workday Red Zone and 95.3 The Ticket and, you know, I, overall, like, I'm just so looking forward to seeing what's going to happen for the, for the bulk of the season, just in the Sun Belt alone, just because of the fact that, one, they're starting off the season a little bit ahead of everybody else. And right now, obviously, today was supposed to be a day where ULM was supposed to play against Troy, but that's gotten moved back to the end of the year. What are your overall expectations for the Sun Belt Conference this year?
4: I think it's going to be weird, and I think it's going to be that way because I think college football is going to be weird. Uh, you've got you know a couple of teams that are playing a 12-game schedule, a couple of teams that are playing an 11-game schedule, some teams that are just playing 10 games. You have an unbalance there, at least in terms of out-of-conference play. Health is going to come into this season as a factor unlike any other year before. Uh, somebody at some point in time is going to have an impact player be sidelined with COVID. Uh, it might happen a couple of different games. So it, it kind of stinks that when we look back at the end of the season, it might just be almost like a last healthy team standing uh, kind of scenario. But that being said, you know, it is what it is. Everybody is dealing with the same circumstances here. So how do you make the best of it? And how do you capitalize on on just a different situation? I am excited about the fact that, you know, we're going to see the, the Sunbelt in the national spotlight a little bit more, uh, including today, where I believe Texas State is on ESPN later this afternoon and then A-State tonight, so maybe uh, the Sun Belt, uh, it, it has a really good opportunity, maybe with a couple strong first impressions, to work itself a little bit more into the national conversation where in the past several years it's really been overlooked as a league.
2: And, you know, you brought up how yeah, SMU Texas State is going to be on the big four-letter network, but also saw I I was so confused this week, so I, I wanted to make sure. With Iowa State in the cages next week at 11, is it going to be on the 4Letter network because the Summer Conference put a release saying it was on FS1. What the hell was going on there?
4: I don't
2: know. Was it just typical Sunbelt?
4: I would I would reach out to the Louisiana media contacts.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean they they, said, they they said ESPN and then like then like 12 hours later Sunbelt says FS1. It's like what the hell is going on? How can you not have this all put together? You know, it, it's probably the weirdest thing. It's
4: just I, I don't I don't know what goes on in the league office, so I'm not going to comment on that.
2: Well, thank goodness it's not like Conference USA where you'd be relegated to stadium.
4: <laughs> that is true. You know, I was really disappointed on Thursday night. I was, uh, you know, on, on my show, we spent a good chunk of the day talking about the games that were coming up that night. So you had UCA and UAB, which is of note because UCA is on uh, Arkansas State's home opener in a couple weeks. and then But also you had uh, Sun Belt Heat coming up that night with Southern Miss and South Alabama. I think I was probably halfway through the show, was so excited about it, was gearing up to watch that game, and then I realized it's on the CBS Sports Network. And I'm a cord cutter, so yeah. I was like, all right, well, I don't, I don't, I don't even get that channel. Why, why does Conference USA have all the weird channels? <laughs> uh, I do. I am a little bit of a, a fan of seeing these games on the 4 Little Network because they're just a little bit more accessible, and obviously they reach a lot more fans as well.
2: And you, you brought up the, the the Southern Miss-South Owl game. How old did you feel when you realized that Frank Gore Jr. was playing on Southern Miss's team?
4: Well, that's honestly, I, I feel old plenty without even thinking about that. Uh, in fact, a guy that, uh, for your listeners, one guy you need to keep an eye on tonight for Arkansas State is wide receiver Jonathan Adams Jr. Uh, he's a senior. He had a good year last year. In fact, finishing the top five in, in Belt receiving yards, he was overshadowed a little bit by Omar Bayless and Kirk Merritt and just the phenomenal seasons they had. This year, he is expected to be Arkansas State's primary playmaker at wide receiver. But here's the thing with, with Jonathan Adams, Jr. His father, Jonathan Adams, Sr., was a, a guy that I watched growing up playing running back for Arkansas State. So about the time that, that Jay Adams, Jr. was making his, you know, going through his recruiting process and had offers from Arkansas State, uh, that's when I started to feel old. And that was about four years ago. <laughs> so by now, with the Frank
2: Gore Jr. stuff, I'm over it. Oh, like, right when I saw it, I was like, wait a minute. He's got a kid that's old enough to play in college. It blew my mind. I was like, what is going on here? Oh. Like, time is just a, a flat circle. And in fact, Frank Gore is still in the NFL. That's, that's what really kind of br- rung it home. Like, you think about it, you brought up running backs. Like, running backs typically have, like, a shorter shelf life. He's yeah. still in the league. And Frank Gore Jr. is just getting into college.
4: Frank Gore is just an ageless wonder, man. That's all it is.
2: Him and Larry Fitzgerald. Kara, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Hey,
4: sounds great. Thanks for having me.
2: See ya. All right. That was Kara Richie. You can follow her on Twitter at Kara underscore Ritchie. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, give you one final take, and then send you off into the weekend. Don't forget Astros baseball right here on 103.7 The Game. A doubleheader. Yes, a doubleheader making up for the games that were missed due to Hurricane Laura that wound up hitting the Gulf Coast. Thoughts and prayers, by the way, to everybody out in Lake Charles, still kind of recovering in the midst of all this. I know I have some family and friends who are out there. Hopefully, y'all are staying safe, and more importantly, kind of listening into under the dome. But see, to get the latest on sports, just a brief respite from all the stuff going on over there. Thoughts and prayers to all those people and everybody else affected by Hurricane Laura right now we got more Under the Dome with CD coming up next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
0: Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out.
2: My last take is going off of a totally different tangent. Because earlier this week, boneless chicken wings wound up being taken to the woodshed and hated on and being called the salt, the, the, I guess soppy nugs is what people were calling it. all Sa- saucy nugs. A man said this during a whole thing. And I believe this is in Nebraska, the Lincoln city council on Monday to ban the boneless chicken wing moniker. And it's absolutely amazing. I'm not gonna lie. It's absolutely fantastic, but you know, boneless chicken wings are pretty good. I think, I think they're probably one of the top tier of chicken wings. I'd say bone-in wings are good, don't get me wrong. But you can't hate on boneless wings. They are perfectly fine, and they are people, too. They are, they are wings, too. Don't call them saucy nugs. As he said, we've been living a lie for far too long. The wet tenders, or as he put them, trash. His plea, of course, was for the children. But enough of the slander. Let's instead throw our focus towards one entity, And Taco Bell for getting rid of the Mexican pizza. Are you kidding me? That is a travesty and should be considered a crime. Getting rid of the Mexican pizza while at the same time hating on people for talking about saucy nugs, as a man said in Lincoln, Nebraska. How can we be a society that supports slander? Against boneless chicken wings. In twenty twenty, that aggression will not stand, man. And that's the one final take for this show. Obviously, we'll get into a lot more serious takes in about seven days from now. Easy thing about it. We are seven days away from this Louisiana Raging Cajuns opening up their season. I'd have to give you some updates about that game throughout the program on Saturday, which be very weird. Like Full disclosure, breaking Fabe last year when the Cajuns opened up against Mississippi State. I was actually there while the show was going on. I had the show pre-taped and little did I know that that game was actually going to be a whole lot of fun. I was looking forward, but you know I was looking forward to the fact that today was supposed to be the day the Cajuns play McNeese State. I was going to see first year head coach for McNeese State Cowboys, man who I had on the show back in January. I was looking forward to seeing that team. But you know, we're not getting that. But as I said with Kara, you know, the nervous energy, it's the old saying, you know, Tom Petty said it best. Waiting sometimes is the hardest part. Speaking of Kara Ritchie, thanks to her. Thanks to Emory Songer for joining the program. giving us a preview of what's causing all this with Iowa State. And just a whole lot more. Thank you for listening in to Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game. you are even listening to Under the Dome. We got Astros Baseball, a doubleheader. Going on today, 6 o'clock is going to be your first pitch. Then after that, game two is going to be 45 minutes after that. So make sure you just keep it locked right here all we get along, baby, to listen to some great Astros baseball right here on 103.7 The Game. Then this time next week, we have college football in full swing. 6.07 first pitch for game one today, 5.35 first pregame for game one then 45 minutes after game one conclusion that's when game two will be starting talk to you next week